Hello, this is Jim Sapersky with Mental Health Care Today. We're delighted to have today a special guest, Sherry Ferugia. Sherry Ferugia is the interim CEO of the Global Center for Medical Innovation at the Georgia Institute of Technology, known to us in Atlanta more affectionately as Georgia Tech or Tech. Prior to that, Sherry served as the Chief Operating and Strategy Officer for the Pediatric Technology Center, which is a joint consortium between Georgia Tech and Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Sherry is a board member of the International Society for Pediatric Innovation, which is a global consortium of over 50 children's hospitals around the globe, affectionately known to those involved as iSpy. She's also an advisory board member for Health Connect South in the Atlanta Ronald McDonald House. She is a three-time recipient of the Georgia Bio Award and Woman in Technology of the Year for the state of Georgia in 2018 a friend, a colleague, and a thought leader in healthcare innovation. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you, Jim. I'm thrilled to be here. Sherry, a couple questions we'd love to ask you to get your opinion on today. First, I mean, you have years of working in technology around pediatric innovation, among other things, both in your work at Georgia Tech, your work with CHOA, your work with iSpy, can you tell us a little bit about your work in this area and what you see as some of the more important areas of innovation in pediatric health? Well, Jim, I think that what's really important is that um, we solve clinicians' problems and we solve those problems so that we can ultimately have child impact. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily point to one innovation or another. Um, I would just say that with the lack of funding in pediatrics, that it is so very important that we work together as engineers and clinicians to solve problems. Um, we want to share, we want to be open. Uh, the work that we do, we want to ensure makes it not only to our bedside for our children in Atlanta, but for all children across the globe. The interesting point about funding, do you, with the advent of the pandemic, is there more attention being paid to that? Is there, uh, do you see possibilities for increasing that? Because it strikes me that's an area of great concern around our country, if not the globe. Um, you know, I don't know that I necessarily see an increase in federal funding, but what I will tell you, and we are so very lucky and fortunate and blessed in Atlanta that we have um, a group of donors who, you know, come forward on a regular basis to not only to support our children's hospital, but to also support our work, our research that we're doing with both Children's Department of Pediatrics at Emory and, and Georgia Tech. Um, there has been, as you know, increased awareness of, you know, how um, not just the that COVID-19 is imp impacting our children, but also the mental health care of our children during this time. And so I am seeing increased not only awareness, but increased visibility and also um, donors coming forward saying this is really important to us. How can we how can we be involved and how can we ensure that we are reacting early, identifying and reacting early to the needs of our children as it relates to mental health care? What you're you're singing songs that we love to hear at Envy in terms of awareness. And let's so let's talk about that for a minute in terms of mental health care. You and I have had this discussion before. Mental health care was in a crisis long before the pandemic, as you know. And now we are simply pouring gasoline on a surging fire. 
Um, I've seen a series of studies that are noting children's mental health care has really did, been disproportionately affected by the pandemic versus the rest of the population. And you've seen firsthand in your work the challenges for our children, our college students, and even healthcare professionals that you work with. Uh, can you speak to that perhaps and tell us if you have some ideas that you think might help that situation? Well, one of the things that became apparent to me during the pandemic and talking to you know, some of the experts about mental health care is that often children present with totally different symptoms than adults do. And um, you know, where a child may say, I have a headache and the headache continues, or a child may act out, um, or a child may have a stomach ache. And, and I, you know, as I talked with the experts, what I became aware of is that every child is not screened. You know, when, when I take my child to the pediatrician, they ask, are there any guns in the house? You know, there are certain questions that are asked and it is noted in their chart, but they don't ask about the mental health. They don't ask about that. So for me, what has really heightened my awareness during this pandemic, and I'm on a little bit of a, um, I guess I'm a little bit of a soapbox here is that, you know, I really want to do everything that I can to, to increase awareness so that every child is screened so that we can catch whatever the issues are early on. When, when I hear about children in elementary school and children in middle school having um, se severe depression and suicidal tendencies that are a result of isolation, it breaks my heart. Um, and it's often not caught until we're very far down the path. No, that's so true. I, I think the last time I saw a statistic, the time between a disorder manifesting itself and a child and actually being treated is close to a decade in our country. And my thought was if you're a six-year-old child who's having suicidal thoughts at that age, and it does happen, and it's 16, 15 or 16 before you're actually treated, I'm not sure much good can happen in between them. Yeah, and you know, Jim, the, the other thing that I learned is that, you know, one of the other questions that our pediatrician always asks us how, you know, our, to our little Amelia is, how are your grades? And if their grades are good, life is good. Well, that's not necessarily true. You can be a top student and still be struggling. And, um, and, and I don't, you know, I, I'm not an expert, so I don't know what questions need to be asked, but I need that I, but I do know that there needs to be questions asked that can help us identify and intervene early. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, another question, changing topics a little bit, and this is more to your work at GCMI. I hear, and it's floating around, it's it, every analyst report you read, we're talking about digital health. We're talking about virtual digital health. I mean, you see all kinds of things in your work at GCMI. What do those terms really mean to you? And, you know, how do you think those terms or derivatives of or meanings of will impact our healthcare system going forward? So I'm old school. Um, my background is health IT. So, you know, digital health is really, in, 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 my, um, in my humble opinion, is just a fancy, you know, terminology for health information technology. We call it digital health now. Uh, and, and mainly because it is more integrated. 
Um, you know, we are seeing, you know, more integration, more interoperability in, uh, in health records. Uh, we're also seeing, you know, more telehealth. We're seeing, um, you know, more ability to capture information in the home that will then, you know, send an alert to a physician or a psychologist if there is a need to, to intervene. I think that digital health is, is we have only just cracked the surface. Um, you know, there will be, I really believe that there will be, you know, a time when you walk in your house and, you know, and there will be sensors that will actually be able to tell us what our blood pressure is, if we have a fever, you know, if we're stressed. I mean, our watches already do some of that, right? You know, um, I'll get, hey, take a few, take a few seconds and breathe, <laughs> right? So we're already seeing that. And, uh, and for that information to flow back to, you know, to the clinician is going to be very powerful for early intervention, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, mental health care, physical health care, really a holistic approach to how we take care of ourselves. I could not agree with you more. And I, do, I, I love that you're talking about the use of sensors and monitoring in real time capabilities that really give us a uh, a real-time insight into what's going on with a particular person at a particular time, and maybe that creates something actionable we can actually do something about. So wonderful. But th this is a this is the big global question I have to ask you now: is what do you see as the biggest challenge today we face today as a country, keep it on that scale, in pediatric healthcare? You know, for me, it it um, I mean, other than the, the mental health care of our children really becoming a priority so that we're not looking at addressing this 10 or 20 years down the road when um, it has escalated to the point of sometimes unfortunately no return. So that, that is one, is the mental health care of our children. The other thing, Jim, is we, we're the United States of America and we still have millions of children who are uninsured. It literally leaves me speechless. You know, I want to see a day when every single child has access to the very best health care, and it is not determined based upon whether they are uninsured, have not great insurance, or, oh, wow, they have great insurance. These are our children. This is our future, and we need to take care of them. Sherry, that has been great. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank all of you for tuning in to Mental Health Care Today, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.